Hi guys, this is Jake Parker. Welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Fit podcast, where it's my job to help you apply knowledge that is both scientific and practical into your own life to maximize your physique development and your overall body, as well as your mind. The combination of these two things is what makes you Beyond Fit. Hi guys, welcome back to the Beyond Fit podcast. Today, my guest is Paul Cleegan, and we today wanted to talk a little about the connection of mindfulness and yoga to strength training, muscle building. This is something that's especially relevant to me that I'm, I'm excited about because I haven't talked a ton about it on the podcast. The, the podcast is generally more so the nuts and bolts of training and nutrition, but the reason that I talk so much about mindfulness with just clients and friends of mine and family members is that I feel like it's really important to integrate that into your uh, weight, weight training, strength training, and your nutritional focus because it gives you a sense of intention and it gives you a sense of overall awareness of what you're doing and why you're doing it. And you start to become an active observer of the way that you're, you're changing your body and the way that you're treating your body, whether than just passively looking for results or hoping for results. I feel like it, it goes in tandem really well. So I guess the first question I'd want to ask Paul is kind of your story on getting into mindfulness and yoga meditation. Um, I know that based on checking out your, your Instagram and podcast, it's sort of a story of hitting a, a, a somewhat of a breaking point. Um, in your your D1 athletic career. And so if you talk a little bit about that and just some of the reasons why mindfulness is so important to you and what that means to you in general. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you definitely hit on a lot of really good things. I uh, appreciate the introduction and thank you for having me on the podcast. I think the first place I like to start is always my background as an athlete. It's just my identity. It's who I always will be. Uh, and something that is really at the core of who I am, whether it's at the high school level playing every single sport under the sun in the street, three sport athlete. And then you mentioned playing division one baseball at Washington state university as a catcher. Um, and it's stuff that we learn as a child that really lays the foundation for like how our mind is wired. Um, and one of the things that I really took from my high school and in childhood was I was naturally gifted. So a natural athlete naturally could get good grades, um, naturally strong, even though now I look back, I'm like, wow, it's such a, a weenie. Mm. Um, but it allowed me to take on to this, this thought and the story that I just put on loop. It's like, you're so talented. You don't need to try. You're so smart. You don't need to study. You're so this, you don't need to that, which we all know isn't true. But then I took that mindset going into college where it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm God's gift to the earth yet. I'm not everyone's stronger. Everyone's more athletic. Everyone's more just as talented. Um, and so I struggled from a, a mental standpoint, mental performance standpoint, had a lot of mental anxiety in college athletics because I wasn't putting in the work that would have given me the confidence to know that I deserved to be there. And don't get me wrong, like still working hard, but kind of like would show up when practice started, would leave when practice ended versus like knowing that I needed to grind, be the last one there, the last one to leave, first one there. And so I just really had a bad mindset for lack of a better term. A lot of performance anxiety from a hitting standpoint, I was really a good defensive specialist. Yeah, I got the yip so bad my sophomore year that I would throw the ball over third base every time we were throwing it around uh, in warm-ups. And so 
it got to a point where I was like, I am so nervous to go to the gym. I'm so nervous to go to practice. I'm so nervous to play. It would actually settle down a little bit during games because I could just get into like flow state. But during practice, mm-hmm. it's so much more like nitty gritty and people are breaking everything apart if, if things don't go well. Um, but after my sophomore year, I just quit. I was like, it's the juice isn't worth the squeeze is what I told myself. I've hit my mental, I've hit my, from, I've hit my ceiling from a physical standpoint. So I, I told myself that at, at 20 years old, I would, I would never get any better. I couldn't get stronger. I couldn't get more power. I couldn't do any of this stuff that, you know, now I look back and, and know it's not true, but that was just like the mental space that I had. That was the mm-hmm. mindset that I had. That was the awareness or lack of awareness that I had uh, and just where I was at when I was 20 years old. Yeah. So from there, I go and get an advertising degree, uh, work in advertising for five years. I mentioned I was down in Portland working at Widen and Kennedy, uh, which is a pretty big ad agency in that space. They've done Nike's advertising since Nike started. The founders coined to just do it. So it was a great spot to be. And I loved advertising because I was like, great, we get to have happy hours. I get to wear jeans. I get to mm-hmm. roll in at 9.30 in the morning, right? All these things that, you know, like the college meal is like, oh, this is the easiest route I can go from a degree standpoint, communication, advertising. Absolutely. Let's yeah. do it. Um, and so from there, I'm in Portland, not necessarily happy with where I'm at physically. Right. Like I said, I've been an athlete going to the 24 just about every single day. And like, I'm not really where I feel like I deserve to be from a physical standpoint. It was during, I think my third year there, where I was just on Bumble all the time. I, was, I didn't know anyone there outside of my coworkers. Mm-hmm. So the, the way that I found like stuff to do is like just go on four Bumble dates a week. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any guys or any guys or girls that have dated a lot, like know what that's like. We're just oh, yeah. constantly on dates and constantly like, oh, this isn't the right one, like all this stuff. And mm-hmm. so like, I was like really unhappy with where I was at in not being able to find someone that I felt like I deserved. I'm just curious, like a question that that's come up before you continue is like, you, you've used the words, like, I told myself this, I felt this, I said this, like, is there specific either a feelings or B like phrases in your head that you can point to of like, what did negative self-talk look like to you? Because I think it would help for other people to resonate with like something I found is the more, you know, when you get specific about like, what was it that, that went through your head when you were having these lapses and being able to perform or what was it that went through your head when you were working and starting to fall out of touch with your physicality and your body and not really liking where your focus was at? What, what was that like for you? Yeah. Well, I think a big one from a, I'll go training, um, relationship and it's all tied to mindset. So that'll all get weaved in. But, um, from a training standpoint, I just, I went in without a plan. Like I would go into the gym. I would do kind of what I remembered mm-hmm. from college, but there's no structure there's me being frustrated that I couldn't lose the last 10, 15 pounds, but just kind of chalking it up to like, Oh, like this is just my genetics. Like this is what like I'm capable of doing. Like I've hit my ceiling. I, I could maybe get a little bit bigger, but it would have to require me to give up drinking or it would have to require me to do this like crazy diet. And like, mm-hmm. that's the thought process that so many people that we work with get in or they're like, that's not achievable it requires so much restriction and I'm just not built for it. Um, and so from a training standpoint, I would say that that's definitely one, actually one really kind of like sad, but funny story. Um, 
I believed that if you worked out soon enough after having a bad meal, you'd be able to burn it off before it digested. So like after Thanksgiving, I'd go for a run because I'm like, great, I can burn this off ASAP. Uh, there's one night we comfortable. <laughs> no, <laughs> this, this, this is where it gets even funnier, uh, but worse. I was, went out with some friends and like, I was trying to, trying to like get leaner, but we went out to happy hour after work. And I was like, all right, I haven't done my workout today. So I went to 24 and rode the bike at 10 PM after going out from like four to 10 wow. for an hour. And I was like very much drunk, but I was like, all right, if I just at least get it in, like in, in a way it's like admirable because I had this thought where it's like, if I can just connect chains, mm -hmm. I'll like still have some momentum and be able to tell myself that I was, you know, went five days in a row, mm -hmm. obviously like not a healthy, not a smart thing to do it was a stationary bike. So I, I wasn't going to fall off, but it's like, that was my approach from a physical standpoint. Like that's what I was trying to do to achieve what, you know, I was the Delta between like where I was and what I thought I deserved. Mm -hmm. I think so that's, that's when, I think that's when people see like the best results if, if they're willing to like delve in and make a change. So like for my own example, I was never, ever, ever lazy or lacked motivation to go to the gym. It was always just, I was super, super misguided. So then when I finally started to over the course of like a few years, piece all the stuff together that I was missing, it's like, it's so easy now because I, I built in the tendency to care about my diet and care about my training. It just wasn't the right focus. And it reminds me of this client I have right now who like, you know, I'm, I'm sure as you know, like some clients you have to figure out like, what, what am I, what's my goal? What's my main goal for them? What am I doing for them? Some people, they need a sort of a cheerleader that's going to pump them up and get them motivated and go to the gym. I have a guy right now who is not like that at all. He's very disciplined, like in the gym, literally six days a week for an hour and a half. And he's just doing some things that are less than optimal. And so I go, I'm so excited for you because once I can sort of, sort of show you the, the levers to change and pull to make things more optimal, you're going to be fascinated with how, how the results are. And it's just, I think it's like, it's, it's sad that you have to kind of learn the hard lesson. Cause I've been there too, of like, you're, you're definitely working hard. It's not that you're not working hard enough. And that's another thing that we tell ourselves, but it's just, are, do you have the right focus? Are you, are you thinking about the correct things in terms of, you know, just like what your, your prioritization is? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good way to put it where it's like, the efforts there, mm -hmm. the results aren't there. And so you're frustrated and think that you're doing something wrong or that it's just like not in the cards for you, mm -hmm. just not in the cards from you. Um, so I was, I will touch on just like the relationship one, but it's just like you, you have this concept of, I call it like a polar bear, um, jumping on iceberg to iceberg, but in mm -hmm like the Gulf of Mexico where the water's really hot. And like, mm -hmm. that's kind of how it was for dating with me where I was just like, Oh, this one's good. Eh, like I'm kind of bored. Like this, this one, then this one, then this one, then this one. And you're just like jumping from like two to three dates, two, three, two, three dates. And reality, it's this whole idea of like trying to fill the void that I needed to address personally, mm -hmm. but thinking that like these people that I'm going on dates with on Bumble that I have no intention of being serious with are going to like fill that. So that's where I call it like this polar bear that's jumping from iceberg to iceberg. It's like that mm -hmm. iceberg's not land. Like I, I as a polar bear needed to go and address that, but I just kept jumping from iceberg to iceberg knowing that it was going to melt. And so after all these dates, it's like, I still have nothing to show for it. Mm -hmm. Still like still looking for what is actually probably not, was never going to get found, you know, in 
one individual person. Uh, it's just like, so I can apply that to so many different things where it's like I'm putting in the work, but the results aren't there. Mm-hmm. And it was towards the end of when I was in Portland that a guy was playing, that I played with, he was also a catcher. He's like, hey, you should come do yoga. Come do a yoga class with me. It was a core power sculpt class. And at the time I was like, oh, dude, I, I work out five to six days a week. Like I'm going to crush this. And if, you, if anyone's ever gone to core power and done a yoga sculpt class, it's pretty much just like a hit workout that you do on a yoga mat. Um, but I was like, he's like, there's going to be a ton of babes there you sweat, like it's great for flexibility. And I was like, great, I'm sold. And so I go there and like 40 minutes in to the 60 minute class, I'm like soaked and soaked because it's 110 degrees with like- mm, Oh, it was hot yoga too. There. Yeah, so, but it's just like 40 minutes in, I'm on my mat, I'm like, is it more embarrassing to die or walk out of here and like quit? And so I just decided to lay there for the last 20 minutes <laughs> because I was like, all right, I, I can't, just walk out that would be more embarrassing um so like that at that point gave me this thought of like oh maybe there's something here like this is like something i can go and try and like climb this little mini mountain just to be like all right i did that that's easy uh and so fast forward move up to seattle get a job at amazon and right across the streets like another core power so i go and sign up and, and just go every couple not every couple days i'd go like three to four days a week on top of going to the gym five days a week, we'll say. So I would go to yoga in the morning, train in the evening. Um, and I did that for like three straight months, four straight months. And it was during that time that I learned how important mindfulness is. And it, again, I went because I was like, oh, I'm going to get more flexible. There's going to be babes there. There's all these like reasons why people might go to yoga and I came and took out of it was the mindfulness, the ability to sit in stillness, the ability to look at meditation, not as this like weird thing, but really just the idea of, of pondering or ruminating, right. Is another word you could use on just a specific thought. And it was in one of the classes where we're supposed to like be quiet and you're surrounded by mirrors. And I'm just like, wow, I quit baseball because I had a fixed mindset and because I gave up, not because my roof, my head was hitting the ceiling. Like I, I, I was maxed out is because I didn't put in the effort to get what I thought I deserved. And so I just quit and gave up. And so that was like a really big aha moment for me. I was like, wow, what else from a story standpoint have I bought into during my life? That isn't true. Mm-hmm. It was also during this time that I started working with a life coach and he really was encouraging me He's like, continue with the meditation, continue with the journaling uh, and doing a lot of the self-exploration stuff that allows you to create clarity. And when you create clarity, the path becomes much clearer. The path from a training perspective becomes much clearer. The path from a movement standpoint becomes much clearer. The path for nutrition, like all these things become much clearer when you slow down, understand like what it is that you really want and then can be intentional towards that versus just spinning your wheels on random diets toward a goal that you don't even have or working at a job that you don't even know if you like, but you're told you're supposed to do that. And you believe that that's like what you're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And so I started work with him. So I started doing yoga at the, like pretty, pretty consistently in, um, what was the year? We'll call it September, 2017. Started working with the life coach, um, 
12-1, basically, 2017. And how did you find uh, the coach? He was just a guy that I, I met out in Portland. Okay, so like uh, his in name's, Yeah, his name's Brandon Duncan. He's a uh, super cool dude. I'd recommend anyone check him out. But the um, And I'm actually working with him on another business thing, and it's been super helpful. But the just the, the acceleration of where I was going with my life just like kind of blew me away and blows me away now looking back because started work with him in December, 2017, that January, got my personal training certification that February had my LLC down dog athletics by March. I had my first client and come June, I was training 30 hours a week on top of working at Amazon and made the decision a couple months later to quit. So literally in less than a year from starting yoga in Seattle, going every day to work at Amazon to being able to leave because I was doing, I was, had more work for, from an hour standpoint and was making more money doing that than working at Amazon. So like, that's a pretty accelerated way to go from like, oh, I'm in advertising. I'm going to go into tech sales to, oh, just kidding. I got a ton of clarity and now I'm going to go work in the fitness industry and try and help people like better their lives. And so when I look at it, I really attribute a lot, like a big portion of it to the mindfulness and the clarity and the slowing down enough to be able to understand what it is that you really want. Then once you have that awareness, you do need to create a strategy. And then with that strategy, there does need to be a lot of action. Um, And I think the combination of good coaching, awareness, and just kind of like going for it. And again, this is like, this is all fueled from a mindfulness standpoint. And there's still like three years later after that story and a lot of things that I've learned from a training standpoint. But every time I see myself improve or I see clients improve, the foundation of it is clarity, knowing what you want, and then being really mindful and intentional about what you're doing to get there. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at people that just go to the gym and they spend, just do random exercises. And even if they're not random exercises, maybe they're not intentionally training how they need to or intentionally eating or intentionally recovering. Well, it's going to be really hard to get those results. The other thing that I've noticed too with mindfulness practices, and and I break mindfulness into practices of, of doing a couple different ways I would do it. Breathing, journaling, and meditation are all things that like we naturally do, but we do subconsciously that we wouldn't do mindfully. But when we do them mindfully and intentionally, they can really um, work as a catalyst to transform your physiology, your biomechanics, like your mind, like your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have talked a lot about yoga uh, and was really big into yoga when I got into fitness, I don't teach it anymore and I don't necessarily take a ton of classes, but for me, it was more like what I learned Yeah, going to yoga a lot and being able to say like, all right, as an athlete, if I take these things that I learned from this world that I thought was like completely different and apply them to myself from a training, nutrition, business, and just overall life standpoint, like it amplifies everything that I do. And so when I talk to people, I'm always like, hey, the training, the nutrition part is really important, but the mindfulness, the intention, and even like we haven't even gone into like how that plays a role in recovery and helping right. to sleep. But when you can get those two going together, those work as a yin and a yang to really like help you level up. 
Mm-hmm. I'm loving this. And, and so like the, the question that comes to mind right now for me is I agree wholeheartedly that clarity is one of the most important things, but the caveat I would add to that is saying that we need to gain clarity in order to just say, live our best life kind of to me is like one of those things where you tell someone who wants to get in shape that they need to eat less and move more. So how do you apply helping someone gain clarity and how, how does someone go about that versus just saying, you know, I want clarity, but, but how, how does someone bridge the gap between wanting it and, and attaining it in some way? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's two practices that I really like with this. Um, I've done it with coaches. I've done it at retreats. I'll do it myself and I'll do it with clients, but one is writing out your perfect day. So wave a magic wand. What does your perfect day look like? And it might be really close to what your day is. It might be really far, but you go in, you're like, all right, I'll wake up at 7 a.m. Sun's shining. I'm in San Diego, right? The, the, the birds are calling. People are rollerblading down the boardwalk. And I roll over and this person's there. Make a pot of coffee and just get super clear on what that perfect day looks like. Hour by hour, you know, task by task. And it's not a perfect day in the sense that you're in Bora Bora, you know, swimming right. with dolphins, drinking martinis and all that stuff. It's mm-hmm. like the perfect day on something that challenges you, feeds your soul and like allows you to push to the edge. Again, for me, like as an athlete, like I always want to be pushing myself to the edge of what I'm capable of and flirting with that line of like, maybe I fail, maybe I fall off the cliff, but at least I know what it was like to go to that point. Um, so that can be done. And when I've, when I've done it in the past, it's like, it's taking an hour and just like getting really quiet and allowing yourself to say like, all right, here's what I'd really want. And a lot of times thoughts run in our subconscious and we never get a chance to like take them, tie them down yeah, to where it's like, it's tangible. Yeah. It's like you take the busy drug, you know, it's like, well, I don't want to think about all this existential angst that I have. So I'm going to wake up and it's going to be emergency after emergency until I go to bed. I think that's the way a lot of people tend to formulate their life, whether they realize it or not, if you don't create that space to, to find stillness. Yeah, absolutely. And that also is what leads to people being chronically sympathetic and having a ton of health issues and not being able to get out of their own way because they're chronically like, fighting the saber-toothed tiger maybe not at quite like the level at which they're doing like a hit workout but if you never get a chance to down regulate the body is not going to be able to find homeostasis um, the other practice that i really like is just the simple thought of saying six months from now a year from now wave a magic wand money is not an issue like what are you doing with your life and at a young age we're really good at this right? We want to be an astronaut. We want to be a firefighter. We want to play in the major leagues. You know, like I want to be a major league baseball player for a majority of my life. Then as we get older and fail, we allow ourselves to basically believe like that's not possible. And as you get older and older and older, that kind of cements in cakes the same way mud would cement in cake. And it becomes harder and harder to get that mental flexibility to be able to believe that that's even possible. Mm -hmm. And so if someone is younger, they might have the ability to, that maybe not even younger is a good way to put it, but it's just the degree to which someone has allowed themselves to believe that stuff is possible makes that easier. So you might have, and this is something that I actually had to really work on when I became, when I told my life coach and, and friends, like, I want to become a personal trainer. It'll be a good way to make side money. Mm-hmm. And yeah. You I made an excuse for yourself, right? 
yeah. So I, I we set the goal, my my ninety day outcome goal with him. He's like, all right, what what's your goal? What do you think would be like, you know, wave that magic wand? I was like, if I could just make two thousand dollars training, like I don't know who would ever pay me four hundred dollars because then I'd have to get five people to pay me four hundred dollars a month. I don't know how that's even possible, but if I can do that, like that would be a success. And like here I am now, like that's this is my full time job that's not a lot of money to be wanting to make as a full-time career. And so just the whole idea of like mentally being flexible to believe bigger things is something that takes time the same way it takes time to become physically flexible. Mm -hmm. If someone is, and I don't even think any, everyone should try and do the splits by any means. Some people just like have the natural, natural laxity. But if someone is like, kind of close they might have the flexibility within like a few months to be able to get there but you got to get someone who's like really inflexible maybe like can barely touch their toes to just touch their toes first and so it's like that whole idea of mental flexibility where it's like oh if 2,000 is possible maybe 3,000 is possible that's still a 50% increase I don't know if there's any way but that's something that I found where you can absolutely shatter someone's paradigm and, and get them to where they're like oh wow there's way more than I thought possible. Um, I'll give you an example. A client I'd been with for an, a year and a half. First year, he lost 58 pounds, went all the way down to like 178 from 230, I want to say. And for the first six, I, mean, I forget the amount of time, but when we first started, he's like, if I could just get to 210, like 205, like I don't even know if my body can handle that frame. Like I would probably be sick if that happened. I was like, nah, you're not going to get sick if you go to 205, like you have more to lose, but sure. And it's like, Every time he lost another five pounds, he's like, holy cow, like what is, what is possible? Um, and so for me, it's, it's that whole concept of like, all right, six months from now, a year from now, wave a magic wand, the doubts that you think are holding you back aren't there. What would you like to create? And then from there with both of these examples, a perfect day is super granular, you know, wave a magic wand, where do you want to be is a little bit more abstract, but then you're able to back out, all right, for 90 days, like what should my focus be for a month? What should my focus be for a week day? And then you're able to actually create a plan to work towards that. Mm -hmm. So hopefully yeah. that helps in terms of like making that step actionable. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things that, that resonated with me there is like, I, I, I kind of like called you out for, yeah, you, you had this, this goal, but it was like, Oh, if only I could make part-time money, if, if only I could make this much. And I think it's important how we think about how we talk about and look at our goals. Cause I have definitely been guilty of, and I'm still guilty of like when I talk to family or friends about what I'm doing, I go, I'm, I'm more likely to say like, Oh, you know, I'm thinking about building this business or I'm trying to build this business rather than I'm building this business. I have this plan in place because that's a reality but it's easier to kind of be on the fence about it because when you have this fear of what if it doesn't happen, what if it fails, you go, you, you, you have like the tendency to, Oh, you know, well, good thing. I didn't tell people this is that I was working really hard on it. Cause then I would look like a failure. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's a huge one. And that's one that I, I, again, I also catch myself doing where they're like, what are your goals? And you're like, oh, I don't want to say like, well, my, I remember being at a Lululemon event. Uh, and this isn't no, is no longer a goal, but there was a time where like, I wanted to have an apparel company and mm -hmm. I was like, it's going to rival Lululemon. Like, that's what I would tell myself. And this is mm -hmm. as an ambassador. And obviously that would take, you know, decades for that to happen. But they're like, does anyone have like any big goals that they want to announce? And I ended up saying my goal is like, oh, I want to have X amount of downloads on my podcast. But in my head, I was like, oh, 
I want to say that I'm going to create this uh, like fitness apparel brand that's going to rival what we're all a part of right now. And like, it might've been too intense to be like, I'm going to make the company that puts you guys out of business yeah. while I'm in that meeting. But that was a really good example where I was like, dude, how am I ever going to get something that I want in life if I'm afraid to ask for it or afraid mm-hmm. to talk about it? So what I do with that is a lot of times I will go on social media. I did this this summer where I'll say like, hey, here's a goal that I have by this date. Here's my goal in time. So for, to make this like the actual example intangible, uh, I was running a bunch because everything was shut down uh, in March and April. And I said, all right, I have never wanted to run a marathon. I've said that it is the last thing that I want to do sounds terrible, but I can tell now that that is fear and I need to lean into that. So I went on, I did a story and posted it. I was like, on 8.17, I'm going to run a sub three marathon. I'd never ran a marathon before. But just that simple act of like declaring it and like holding yourself accountable. Now it's like, I don't want to let myself down, but I really don't want to look like an idiot in front of these other people. But at the same time, like they don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, but we give ourselves that leverage now of being able to say, like, if we can get this whole thought process in our head that we're going to let down all of our followers if we don't follow through with our goals, like, leverage that. Mm-hmm. And so on 817, I ran a 257 marathon. And I was in a way, too, I felt kind of like Babe Ruth. Where I was like, see, I told mm-hmm. you. But there's been times where I don't reach my goal, even though I said that I was going to do it. But at least I, was confident enough or believed in myself enough just to say that this is something that I'm working yeah. towards. And, and it's like the other thing, the other reason I like setting big goals is because even if you come up short, you're still have, you know, hopefully you have made a lot of progress towards it. And another thing I wanted to bring up is have you heard of, and I'm pretty sure I got this from Atomic Habits, if you've ever read that, because I just finished yep. it a few months ago. And uh, he talks about the Goldilocks rule of goal setting. So like Goldilocks, you know, the, you know, this is, I guess maybe I don't remember exactly how Goldilocks goes, but it's like, this is too big. This is too small. This is just right. And so with the goal setting, he goes, you know, okay. So like maybe for you, like the, 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 the goal that was, that was too big right away was, was having this goal to build an, an apparel company. And yeah, right. it seems like maybe for your client, if you, if he was, you know, at 250 or whatever, and you were like, I think we can get you down to 175. It might've been demotivating. Cause he was like, 175, like that's never going to happen. I'm not even going to try to lose my first five pounds because I can never get to that goal. Like a personal example for me was in the first month I had my coaching business, I was like, okay, I'm going to get 10 clients. And then after a number of weeks of working on it, I'm like, wow, that goal was just like, it was too big. And I was like setting myself up for, again, one of those situations where it's like, well, I didn't get necessarily upset that I didn't reach that goal because it was too hard. And so if you set a goal that's too hard, it can be as demotivating as if you set a goal that's too easy. So if, if you told that, that client that they're going to lose five pounds in two months, well, that probably would have been too easy. And, and both of them can be a catalyst for not taking action. And so you have to find a goal. Like for you, that three-hour marathon sounded perfect. Challenging, but also doable, but hard enough that you had to do the work to get there, but knew that it was very possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think that like a daily level, that's something that I'll catch myself doing and try to encourage other people to do is like, don't create a list of 20 things to do in the day. Mm-hmm. Cause if you get 19 out of 20, you're going to register that as a loss. Just make it five wins, like two wins, three wins, like whatever number it is that you want to do. Um, but you're totally right in that. Again, it's like, if it's too big, like I'm not mentally flexible for enough for that enough. Like I'm going to hurt myself if I try. Mm-hmm. I was talking about this with um, someone this morning where they're like, Oh, you should get that person on your podcast. And I'm like, 
I I would love to. He's John Romanello, the guy I'm doing the uh, copyright course. Like I would love to, but I also uh, maybe a better way to put this is like if I'm going to learn from someone, like for example Tony Robbins, I need to be to a degree to which I can benefit from his knowledge and his wisdom. It'd be like an Olympic level coach trying to get someone to you know, lose their first five pounds where it's like their knowledge and their skill set is more suited for someone that's a little bit further along. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And kind of like how I was thinking about that. And so that's, I don't know, just another way to kind of frame how you would say like, all right, I'm at this spot. What is like a good push versus what is like too much and what is not enough? Mm, this is, this is what that reminds me of is like, when you, when you look at people that are trying to implement a healthier eating plan, I, I hate how the tendency is for people to want to go paleo or go keto or go this or that diet. And because the much more powerful thing would be, okay, what do you eat for breakfast? Um, a bar and this and this. Okay, well, tr- let's try having a protein shake and some fruit for breakfast. And we change that. We change one thing, you're going to see results. But if you try to go from, I've never tracked food. I've never been in a diet. I eat whatever I want. Okay, I'm 100% paleo. Some people, if they can do it, if they can apply it, if they have a reason, might be able to do the paleo diet. But you, person who is just trying to get into eating healthier, that's going to be way too big of a goal to jump into. And I think that you can look at that with any sort of goal. If you want to write a book, why don't you work on writing some one or two or three page blogs, articles? If you want to get into, you know, running a marathon, but you have never, but you, you're, you're too out of shape right now to run a mile or a 5k, you have to focus on these more tangible things. You can keep these bigger high arching goals, I think, but in the context of, like you mentioned, having monthly, weekly, more, um, more broken down goals. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the book one is a, is a great example where it's like, if you want to write, like be diligent in being good with the small things. And I think the other thing, when you you talked about keto and diets, that is just something that I wish people would grasp is there's, I don't know, 7 billion people on the planet. You know, maybe now it's eight, like whatever number of billion people there are. And it's like every single one is a unique individual with Mm -hmm. a complete different genetic code, complete different gut microbiome, completely different brain, completely different experience. Yet we want to apply four diets Mm -hmm. to and be like, this is what you get. This is what you get. And this is going to like, this is going to work for you no matter what. And it's just like wanting to date someone and being like, great, here's our factory. You can choose blonde and five, four. You can choose brunette and five, two. You can mm-hmm. choose redhead and six, one, which one do you like? And it's like, there's so much variety. Like there's so much, what's it, not variety, like diversity. Yeah. Is that I'm and so it's like you got to find something that works for you you got to find something that you enjoy something that you can sustain and get to know it and get to know yourself first just being like i don't want to do the work someone give this to me and like that's it i'm good and like what you've touched on a little bit as far as like having your job i i think that we can probably both resonate with like the i just got done reading the four-hour work week so tim ferris talks about the deferred life plan where you, you know, you work really hard and you have a job that brings you a lot of esteem and prestige and that feels good. And people in your life are going to be proud of you and think that you're successful, but if it doesn't fulfill you and if it's not what you want, you have to think about how you can change that. And again, use the things that we've talked about here, as far as goal setting, you're not going to quit your job next week. If you feel like you're, you're fed up and you hate it, but you've made no progress on what being an entrepreneur might look like, what switching career fields might look like, but over time, that's, that's hundred percent possible. And I think that one of the most 
crucial things that I've come to realize and mindfulness played a big impact in is like trying to, and, and everyone will still do it, but trying not to like gauge the success of my life on what people around me would like to see me do or what success looks like typically. And so it reminds me of the dating thing too, where like, you know, you talk about a lot of times people would like to just, oh, you know, have this beautiful girl and she's successful and she is well-spoken and, and yada, yada, yada. But if you don't have a physical and emotional deep connection, and it doesn't matter if she impresses your friends and family and she's everything that you think you need. It's, it's more intangible than that. And I think that's another one of the biggest like hidden benefits of, of getting into some sort of a mindfulness practice and just knowing yourself. Yeah. hundred percent. The, the thing that I took away as you were talking about, it just reminded me of the whole concept of, of alignment. Like how much more is a structure stressed if stuff isn't aligned? Like I'm in Seattle, there's all these buildings and they go up so high and if any of those pillars is like at an angle, that's so much more stress and it, it's going to break. Mm -hmm. So how you apply that to what you're doing with your life. It's like, if there is any sort of resistance and misalignment to whatever you're doing, it's so much harder to maintain, like hold on to a secret. And like, you feel that inside of you, like that's energy. Mm -hmm. like, if I just got this off my chest, I would feel so much better. And it, it takes energy to fight yourself. So the more that you can just be in alignment with who you are, what you want to do. And from a training standpoint, it's like, if you, if you, all your buddies are just hammering you to, to do CrossFit or, or to bench squat and deadlift. And you're like, like, I want to be a runner, right. Or everyone's telling you to run. And you're like, I just want to get jacked. Mm -hmm. And you don't allow yourself to, to do that. You're going to spend so much energy fighting yourself. Whereas if you just get aligned things move see things go so much more smoothly it's like trying to fit that square into that round hole or swim upstream just jump in a river that's going the direction you want you're going to get there so much faster mm -hmm. and that circles right back to the to the clarity aspect and one of the things that i found fascinating in in my own like mindfulness journey i guess is like i'm an extremely pragmatic person i'm very interested in science and evidence-based fitness practices and nutrition practices and in every area of life i I feel like one of my strengths is having the ability to go, okay, how, what's the result of this? And everybody's emotionally connected to things that they think about and care about, but I have the ability to look objectively at things, I think more so than most people. But one of the things that's, that's interesting is you wouldn't think that that's the personality of someone that would be into meditation and yoga because it's more intangible, but it's, it's weird because the more you practice it and the more you get in touch with this this other side of yourself, this intangible side of yourself, like you mentioned the word energy, we, it, it's such a real thing. You can't even necessarily describe it in words, but you'll, you'll find the power in becoming aligned, gaining clarity. And it, and it will eventually be this like pragmatic thing that you can feel taking place in your life. Yeah, absolutely. For anyone who doesn't believe just in like energy, I would just say like walk into game seven of a, like the world series mm -hmm. on the ninth inning and tell me if that feels different than like spring training, right? It's still like the ninth inning. There's still a pitcher and a batter facing each other or like try and kick a game winning field goal. Or another really good example of this is like, try and go make a putt right in the masters on the 18th hole. Like there's a different energy to that than when you're just playing with your friends. And so like right. you can feel that that's tangible. And so I totally agree. Like we shouldn't just ignore evidence-based stuff. There's a reason why things work and people should apply that we can apply mindfulness practices, mental performance mindset to amplify and fill in the cracks of what we're already doing from a training nutrition standpoint, even if we can't measure it, it's worth 
giving it a try and finding something that works so that we can amplify our performance. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. If you would, please take a minute out of your day to review and rate the podcast as well as subscribe. It would really help me out a lot. And if you're on Instagram, go ahead and follow me on there at jakeparker.fit and screenshot and tag me when you're listening to the show. I'll be sure to share it. And thank you personally on there.